When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Who am I to judge, right? If I've been put in a situation to help and to serve, I'm going to help as much as I can. I'm going to serve as much as I can because I feel like that's a part of who I am and that's my character because I've came from a situation to where I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. I came from a place to where I watched my mother scrape up change and dollars to get me a pair of cleats, right? To being in a situation to now I could buy my son, I could buy my daughter cleats and it's not a problem, right? I can even buy their teammates some cleats and it's not a problem. But my perspective about it is different and I got a level of compassion that a lot of people can't understand. Like I firmly believe in life, it's a lot of moments and it's a lot of people that change and impact your life, right? Like I don't believe it's just one moment and you say, this one moment just changed my life. Even though that moment may have, but it's going to be another moment that's going to shape and change your life as well. Right. And so never allowing a situation or circumstance to define your life and understanding that you got something inside of you that's greater than that situation or the circumstance. But you have to constantly believe it and not only believe it, you have to make decisions and choices every single day to put you a step forward toward what you believe your destiny is. Either somebody is in the midst of adversity or just came out of adversity or it won't be long before they head into adversity. So you need to be prepared either way. And so we all go through adversity, opposition. I think that's the thing that, that makes us all in common as people, right? No matter if you're from London, Atlanta, Florida, California, New York, like we're all going to go through something at some point or phase in our life, right? And as cliche as it sounds, when the quote says, it's never about what happens to you, it's about how you respond to it. That's very true, right? But in the same sense, I think what's most important is when we go through something, what's the perspective that we have of it, right? Because for most people, when you go through something, the person's natural perspective is, okay, what did I lose, right? What happened to me? Like I took a loss, right? People never look at it and say, okay, man, tell me what did you gain, right? Even though I know it hurt, you didn't want to go through it, but look at it in a way to where you can say, what's the lesson in this, right? What would you say life is trying to teach you from dealing with this? And so when I went through it, my perspective was, okay, what can I extract from it to apply to other areas and aspects of my life that I feel can help other people? And I firmly believe the quicker you can shift your perspective from yourself to others, when you're in the midst of adversity, the quicker you'll get through it, right? Martin Luther King has a quote that says, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing to help other people? Now, I'm not telling you to not acknowledge your pain. I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you not to say, man, I'm going through this and it's hard. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you go through it, look at it, step back from the picture and say, okay, I'm dealing with this. Nine out of 10 times, there's somebody else that's either dealt with it or they're going to deal with something similar to this. And if I deal with it in the right way, I can use it to add value to lives of other people. The funny thing was I had never heard of the injury that I suffered. 
never heard of it. When I went through it, I met probably 10 guys years after that that have been going through it that I could talk to at different stages and phases in the process and say, hey man, Inc., how did you deal with this? How did you deal with this? When they told you this, how did you accept that? And I was like, bingo, this is how I got through it. But I had to shift my perspective from why me to why not me? Can you take the things you learned that made you great in that sport and apply them to other areas and aspects of your life to make you just as great as a person? <laughs> Man, it's, it's funny. I think the true measure of wealth is, uh, is happiness, right? Like I really do. And that's not saying that I'm against money. I'm not against that at all. Because you gotta gotta work hard, make your money to take care of your family and be able to bless people. But I think it's a lot of people with so-called wealth and they don't have joy and they don't have happiness, right? And I feel like joy, happiness is peace, and peace is the most important things we can possess, right? And for most people, their material possessions, they feel are the most important. For me, when you got joy, when you got peace, when you got happiness, I think that's true wealth because you can't put a price on that. Like for me, people can't understand. A guy asked me just yesterday, what do you think about stem cell? Why don't you go over to London or one of these places somewhere and try to get stem cell for your arm? And I was like, I got peace. And he's like, what does that mean? I was like, I'm good with my situation, right? Like I'm, I'm wealthy because of that. I got something that you can't put a price on. Right? You can't price out my joy. You can't price out my happiness. You can't price out my peace. Now, if I measure wealth by money, money is a number. Numbers never end. Right? So you never catch it. Numbers never stop. If your happiness is predicated upon a number, if you're being wealthy, it's predicated upon a number, you'll get it. Then it's like, okay, I got to set it a little bit higher. The number will never end. And so therefore, you'll never be wealthy enough. Man, it's, it's so tough. Um, you know, because I remember when I was young and I didn't have my father, right, in the household. And we got, we became cool. And um, I remember I used to live my life and I had like, it was, it was like a resentment toward him, right? Because I couldn't understand why he wasn't there early on. Like, I just couldn't understand it, right? And like, when I would be home and we would experience certain things and me and my cousins would be asleep on the floor, right? And there were certain questions and things at times that I wanted to ask my father and because he wasn't in the household, I couldn't ask him. So it created a resentment. Until one day I just asked, we were together and, you know, I just asked like, man, what happened? You know, and he just shared with me what happened, right? Like I was young, your mother was young, right? I ended up losing my mother, right? And I was just scared, right? And when he told me this situation, I could understand it, right? And for most people, it's like forgiveness is the hardest thing in the world. And when you see a son, when you see him coming up with his mother, you see a father that's not present 
a lot of times for me, I think now, man, what's that situation? And I want to understand it, right? Because I firmly believe as tough as the situation is, my teacher said this to me, my teacher, who's my mentor, my eighth grade teacher. He said to me one day when I was in the eighth grade, because I was, we was talking about fatherhood and stuff like that. And some of the, my friends, they were talking about their fathers. We just having a man conversation. And one of my friends said, like, man, my father don't care about me. He don't want me, right? Like, I'm in the world, I don't see him, right? And my teacher said to him, son, I don't think any man brings a kid into this world and don't think about him and don't love him and don't want him. And the kid was like, no, man, like, that's wrong, right? And he was like, I'm, I'm a man, I'm a father, I'm a husband, right? And when he said it, at the time I was young and I was like, I don't know. But now that I'm a father, right? I got two kids, or I got three little sisters, right? And it's this thing inside of me that, that makes me think like, he was, he was, it was true, it was real. But situations and circumstances happen sometimes that we can't understand. And it leaves a mother in the household or sometimes it leaves a father to be a single father, right? And when that happens, I think the village is important. It's like me, I got, I got a level of accountability and responsibility with my son, right? If my son plays on a team, right? And his kids on that team, that their fathers are not present, I feel like I have a responsibility and obligation not to be their father, right? But to fill a void, to be a positive male figure in that kid's life as much as possible. And not just look at the kid and see him drowning and just be like, that's not my kid, I'll just let him drown, right? No, he's very much so my kid, right? Because God has put me here to be present in this kid's presence, so I'm gonna help him, right? And so it's just becoming a village around that mother or around that father to assist as much as possible to help that kid be shaped and molded in the right way with principles. I think, um, and I think the greatest gifts in life and is belief and exposure. Right, because a lot of times for me personally, the reason I say that is, there was a lot of moments in my life to where it was people that saw things in me that I couldn't see in myself. And they believed in me in a way that I couldn't believe in myself yet. And I rented their level of belief until I got strong enough to possess my own, right? It's like when you're young and they see you and it's like, even when you start out doing what you're doing, you could be talented, right? And somebody older than you or more experienced than you can see you and know like, oh man, if he did this or if he does this, man, he could be great, right? And they can come to you and say, Hey kid, man, you got something Like you could be great, right? Like my teachers and my coaches, when they came to me and they was like, son, I'm telling you, like you can go to college, man. Like you really, I know you're talking about it, but your circumstances are saying different. I think you can do it, right? And when they said it, I'm like, oh, I can, I can do it. Like I can make it happen because they're believing in me making it happen. I think I can do it. So I think belief and the reason I say exposure is because like, I think when you show people things, that's powerful. I think exposure sparks inspiration, right? Exposure sparks motivation. Like when I was coming up in that two bedroom house with all those people and I went to the other side of town with my coach and he was like, no, people don't, you don't have to live like that. Eh? 
You can live a normal life, right? It changed my whole mindset. And my mindset can never go back to the way that it once was because I have been exposed to something different, to something new. And so I think belief and exposure are two of the most powerful things that can happen to a person. The reason that um, I think belief is important is because like when you're young or when you do something and you're a novice, right? And you start out doing it and you might think you can do something with it or you might not, you might do it and it's being driven by your passion. And then somebody comes along that's a little bit older or even more experienced and they can see it in a way that you can't see it, right? And so I think it's important with belief because if a person believes in you in a way that you don't believe in yourself, you can rent that person's belief until you get strong enough to possess your own, right? And you use that person's belief to fuel you every single day, right? Because you can have a level of belief with what you're doing, but you can go back to a certain set of circumstances that tell you, nah, it's not gonna happen. And so you rent that person's belief until you get strong enough to possess your own. I think having a purpose is that thing that that makes us tick, that gets us up every day and gets us over the hump of opposition and adversity. And the reason that I champion adversity and opposition is because I think for the most part in life, people pretty much know what to do when things go right, right? Like when things go right, they know how to feel, they know how to act, how to react. But it's when that opposition and that adversity comes and it creates a level of misunderstanding, right? Now the vision is blurred. Now you don't have clarity about what you're supposed to do. Now you question if your existence matters. And I think when you have a purpose, it's powerful because in the midst of the opposition, it makes you realize that you've been put here for a certain reason. And so me, once I tapped into my purpose of once I thought it was football, right? But when I started speaking, I'll never forget the day I got the exact same feeling backstage that I used to get before I ran out on the field to play football. And that's when I knew like, this is my purpose. This is what I've been put here to do. And so the opposition, adversity, the challenges, it's just a part of the process. It's gonna make me a better person. But my purpose, I can't let anything stop or detour me from tapping into that every single day. Because the key with purpose is, I firmly believe every person's purpose is tied to somebody else's purpose and destiny. And so your purpose, my purpose, is tied to somebody else. Like when I speak, when I do what I do, like people say, oh, man, man I really needed to hear that, right? That helped me do this that helped get me through this, that helped me with this. That's my purpose being tied to other people's purpose, destiny, beliefs, and dreams. That's the power and magic of purpose, right? I don't think it can be a purpose without being tied to other people's purpose, destiny, dreams, and aspirations, right? I think that's the power in it, but realizing it is another thing.